You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. to another edition of the stardom road podcast i am your host as always scott edwards and of course we are right here on the count out network with me as always is the one and only trent brewer trent how are we on this fine day i'm doing pretty well like it's kind of funny like when we're doing all these podcasts for whatever reason i was sitting here as you're doing the intro and i'm thinking Wow, we, we've gone like through all of these episodes. We've not had to bring in guests. We've not had to, you know, uh, change things around too much. It's just us two doing what we do each and every fortnight. It's kind of cool because, you know, I've done different podcasts where you're bringing people in and having mm. to shuffle things around. Not everyone can make it every uh, recording. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, we'll bring guests eventually. I think I think there is a exciting idea to bring in guests maybe mm. that have to do with stardom history or no stardom history and they'll they'll be fun but that's a conversation for another day that's i i don't need that to that right now Uh, i think we have a good plan set up obviously and of course today is part two of the Mm -hmm. hana kimura series today will be a lot of positivity and a lot of sadness of course Mm -hmm. because we are covering tokyo cyber squad one of the most popular factions in i I don't even want to say just joshi history it's in wrestling history for how little they were around in terms of just timing their popularity was on another level in a lot of ways and i think that'll be exciting to talk about um you know we talked about the way tie journey for hana part one talk tcs today and then next episode as we do with all of these wrestler specific episodes we'll hit some of our some of her most important matches some mm-hmm. of our favorite matches um as well as kind of looking at her legacy and her, you know, importance to pro wrestling and, of course, stardom. That's what we do. And, um, you know, it's obviously, it's exciting, you know, knowing we're going to dive into a bunch of really good Hanukkah matches. Like, some of these matches I've watched fairly recently. Some have been quite a while. Uh, but the beautiful thing whenever we do these wrestler-centric episodes is being able to go back into the history books and dive into what, you know, reminding us, especially the, the stuff that we were around for, and obviously for Scott and I, that's a little bit different, but, you know, all these matches, you know, I remember watching live, well, live, watching as they were sort of happening and being able to go back to them and sort of remind myself, ah, yeah, this is why I was so enamoured with stardom around this time why I slowly but surely went from New Japan as my favourite promotion to stardom being my favourite promotion. You know, you can chart the progress. And, you know, a big part of that is because stardom just kept doing really good stuff. One of the matches we'll talk about today, actually you were at, which is pretty cool, um, Mm -hmm. which we'll get to later. I think that's that'll be a fun little uh, tidbit to add you know a little special touch that we have that that no one else has you know if they're talking about that match and 
Um, I'm really excited about this episode today, not because of the sad parts, but because of the exciting parts. Because mm. when when I really got into uh, Joshi, and I not not only into Joshi, but more in the coverage side of Joshi, I should say, I really dove into um, content about Hanakamura, and I, I kind of studied a lot of the TCS stuff that she did, and I think her five star run is. Truly one of the best ever. And I know we've reached a point where like five star runs are incredible and unbelievable mm. and so on. But hers is like watching a story from start to finish. Like if you watch, say, Shuri's five star, which we will do someday, don't you worry, just for personal reasons of wanting to rewatch it. Uh, but if you watch Shuri's five star, it's unbelievable, nonstop great matches. But I don't know if it's necessarily a story other than Shuri's just unbelievably great at professional wrestling and she is on a on a mission right she was mm. on a mission mm. with Hanakamura there's a lot of growth in her five-star run in 2019 that I'm really excited to get into um you know she's she was such a great character worker that we'll get to touch on a lot of that we'll also touch on uh her of course leaving we'll touch on the stardom draft so mm -hmm. anyone that may have be following me on twitter and somebody start posting stardom draft things that was on purpose i wasn't just uh watching the draft for fun though i do that once a year so it's not that shocking now you uh, know when we record yeah yeah i kind of just look away. at scott's uh twitter feed and then I give like anytime i start watching hours. matches or stuff i always give it away yeah. Um, but it's because I'm like, I want everyone to see this. I want everyone That's to enjoy it. That's called foreshadowing and hyping. You're just doing your job. Unlike me, it just goes radio silent. And then it's like, oh, by the way, this got released. <laughs> well, anyways, let's, uh, let's get into it. Huh? I think everyone, I think everyone's, uh, pretty, pretty up to date on terms of, uh, what we're talking about. So now let's mm. actually talk about it. Huh? Uh, so we talked about last episode and we kind of ended on last episode was the, championship match that Hanakamura had against Kagetsu. Of course, this was a very important match um, in her career. Mm. Now, it's not necessarily like a match to write home about like their previous match was, right? Yeah. Which we will be talking about, wake, wake, nudge, nudge on part uh, three of this podcast series. But it's an important match in that it sets her up for the next steps of where we are going and where she's going into uh, Tokyo Cyber Squad. Mm. It's essentially watching or her watching her time in a way to come to an end in what's the exact time? 16 minutes and 46 seconds. <laughs> what this match was. Uh, what were your memories from this match um, in terms of just watching it and, and seeing it unfold? Obviously, I mean, I know it wasn't live, but mm. um, I think that's a good place to start. Well, I, I don't want to throw around the term heartbreak too much. Um, <laughs> but because, like, Hannah had been away for a couple of months at this point. She'd done her Mexican excursion. Like, we were all really excited to see her come back. Here she is. She's back. It's the Oedo tie we know and love. You know, she's had this time away. What's she going to do next? What exciting things we're going to see from Oedo tie? And then it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're losing that. You know, she's going out on her own. And in hindsight, it makes perfect sense. It works perfectly um but it is disappointing because we'd grown to love that side of her and there was that mystery of well, what's coming next and the match itself as you said wasn't I, I think it was maybe overhyped a little bit in expectations I know people were very excited for what it was uh, they were shocked it wasn't main eventing this particular show 
um, the white belt did. And in hindsight, that was the right call in terms of, you know, not only the quality of the match, but also the story that was being told here. Um, Momo versus it was, Mayu, folks, never shouldn't be the main event, just saying. Yeah, but, you know, it was, the, the red belt not main eventing, you know, it's, when it doesn't happen, it's always a bit of a shock, even though it's not the first time it's happened. Um, but yeah, Momo like, Rain, you got used to that. <laughs> yeah, but Momo did main event quite a bit yeah. um, as the white belt champion because she was the future ace at the time. At the time, um, at the time, uh, yeah. So it was, you know, it was a, it was enjoyable enough. Um, the shock of her leaving again, even though, you know, we had the spoilers come out beforehand, and then we watched the show afterwards on demand, as most Stardom people understand even today. Uh, but even the big shows, you didn't get. You know, there was no pay per views back then. Um, it was, yeah, it was saddening, but a little bit exciting to see what would come next. But. We, Oedoto was so beloved. Like this is the, the 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 core group that everyone come to know and love. So seeing one of the the big parts of that, you know, voluntarily leaving in such a way was heartbreaking. And you know, we'll we'll hit a Oedoto series somewhere down the road. Obviously, oh, and that, that'll be mm, much a big more. There'll be more than three parts. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but I think something interesting, right, about Oedoto as well. Hanakamura was such an important part of the Oedo type people love. Mm. They still had a very entertaining next year or so, really until Hazuki retired. Um, yeah. you know, and then we kind of saw it dwindle down as Kagetsu retired. Um and I think that I think that is interesting to say because then we also got where Hanakamura would go and and her leaving here was the end of that chapter right mm. that that chapter of Oedo Tai they still went on to be entertaining they still on to, went on to be what Oedo Tai is still beloved for but it definitely felt a little little it was missing something it was missing that that Hana effect that Hana just gave to really well, some, anyone she was with so many core members were leaving around this time obviously Hana left you had Tan Nakano get knocked out of the uh, group earlier in that year um, and you had Chris Wolf leave as well. And like those three were like for a long time, they were three of the four, or three of the five members of the Golden Era Oedo Tai. You only had Kagetsu and Natsu Samir left from that group. And obviously, Hazuki was great in the group now, was great. And just didn't really work out in stardom, but played off of those guys well. Um, but it, yeah, it was a different Oedo Tai after this. Uh, now, Moving on from the Oedo Tai period for Hanakamura, not and you know mostly because we did an entire episode on it. Mm. Um, the next steps were more—I won't say an awkward phase, but it was a question phase. Okay, what? Where is Hana going? Right, she wasn't aligned with anyone yet, um, but she did start a feud, of course, with. Jungle Kiona and Jan. That mm. was an important feud that leads us to Tokyo Cyber Squad. But I'm not going to just skip to Tokyo Cyber Squad just yet. We got to mm. we got to talk a little bit about that. And I think you know this was the step of okay, we're going to get rid of the Jan. We're going to get rid of Jungle Assault Army, and we're going to uh, not nope. Salt Nation. I just <laughs> I, I have army in my head. For ja. I yeah. I, I say Jan and then I say that. Yeah. You get my point. And you're gonna replace that 
with Tokyo Cyber Squad. And this this rivalry, while it wasn't like, you know, because Hana was doing things here, there, and everywhere. She was teaming with like Bobby Tyler and mm. Rebel Kel. And she wasn't teaming with like, <laughs> you know, no offense, superstars. Um, it was it was kind of the embodiment of what TCS was going to be in a lot of ways before TCS was a thing. Little did we know at the time, though, as this was going on, it was going to include Jungle Kiona and then also eventually Konami. Um, do you have fond memories? I know you're a Jungle Kiona fan, so maybe her faction ultimately getting deleted um, <laughs> wasn't necessarily uh, having you jump out of your seat, but this this rivalry, this feud, and where it was headed, did you think this is where it was headed at the time? Well, it's tough because, like, this period for Hanukamura is the, I guess, like, it's the awkward teenager phase where you're trying to discover who you are. You you, yeah. you know, you've got your, I guess, high school, middle school kind of version of Oedo Tai. Yeah, you've, you've got a group, you're together, and then you're moving out of the house, you're trying to discover yourself, and you haven't quite found it yet. You haven't found your unique personality. You've just entered college or you've entered university, and it's like, oh, the world is my oyster. I'm going to try everything. I'm going to do everything. And so every week, Hanukkah would come out with different attire, different hairstyles. Yeah. She, you know, trying to find that personality, which would eventually become Tokyo Cyber Squad. And you can see like different parts of her attire during this period would find itself into that version. But this is very much um, what you would call first draft, second draft stuff that like if it was a movie, you wouldn't see. Because right. it's all on the you know the whiteboards, and you get rid of the stuff that doesn't work, and then you just put the good stuff out. This is her finding herself. My best uh, comparison is um, if you ever seen like any Spider-Man movie ever, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you always except for the Tom Holland ones. If you see the first one for like the uh, Tobey Maguire one, or even the Andrew Garfield one, you know you see the pre spider-man costumes yeah. that they yeah. try out, and I think that's kind of my best comparison. Mm. Um, is like I actually no, I think. Tom, well, I, he didn't have his official costume. That that's besides the point. Yeah, because he, he got the uh, yeah, Tony Stark yeah, version yeah, in the yeah. first movie pretty yeah, quickly. I, I always forget it's different. Anyways, that's besides the point. Um, but that's kind of what it reminded me of, right? Yeah. It's like it's like she's trying to figure these things out. You know, she's mm. she's in her room drawing. What 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 should I look like? Trying new things. This ah, this this works, but this doesn't work. And again, I think that's kind of what we saw with her wrestling too it's right mm. right i said she's teaming with she's teaming with all these outsiders she's not teaming mm. with you know people that are there all the time necessarily it's bobby tyler rebel kel uh goya kong um who else who else who else i i'm mary apache yeah yeah yes. the Apaches. yeah because of um, course they teamed in tag league um mm. which was you know finished up after she had just left the way to tie she was you know she was she just didn't have any exact faction but of course at the same time we're doing the feud with jan and jungle kiona specifically uh they also by the way she challenged for the artist starting titles with goya kong and rebel kel if anyone ever feels the need to go watch that could have fun um but i think that's one of the interesting parts also i just want to read this match because it's a wild match hanakamura and bobby tyler Brittany blake and Britt baker and be a priest and konami anyways uh, it's very much like this. This version of Hanukkah yeah. doesn't have a faction, 
But what she's doing here is very much what Mina Shirakawa is doing with Club Venus in 2023. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. an outlet for the foreign talent to come in and have someone who can basically support them, show them yeah. around, give them, give them a friend that knows enough English to yep. sort of help them live and get That's through a, great a very difficult tour when you don't speak the language. That was Hanukkah's job in many ways during this period while she's finding herself it's just it wasn't named really it was just the the international selection like that was yeah. kind of the the quote-unquote name and she was just the Mina Shirakawa um obviously Club Venus has more of a focused identity at this stage um sure. but it's very much a prototype concept I think I think that's a great comparison really and I I think as we see as we get towards the draft and and the five way which we'll talk about in a second here um Hana, despite not having the faction and, and mm -hmm. wrestling with all these outsiders, the international selection, you know, she was able to find a confidence and she's always been confident. I want to say that yeah. she's always been confident, but there was something about always kind of being the leader without being the leader in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Mm -hmm. That if you watch any of these matches, you kind of see that. There's there's something about what she was gaining from all this. Yeah. You know, she was more than uh, more often than not on the losing side of things because, mm. again, her partners weren't you know the 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 best of the best. But at the same time, you felt that leadership growing. So by the time it was time for mm. her to get her own group, she was ready. Yeah, this period is not like if you're going to show someone uh, Hanukkah matches and like this is why people love her, you're not going to show her anything from this period um, because, yeah, not only is she finding her look, finding her voice, she is finding her way in the ring as well. You know, she came back, she was wrestling a lot more heelish, a lot more deliberate, um, more aggressive and stuff. But, like, again, she's just fine-tuning everything. And, like, if, if we didn't have this, we wouldn't have what was to become. Um, but yeah, there was a for a couple of months you were kind of looking at Hanukkah at this stage going I preferred her before her excursion uh, not knowing mm. what she would eventually find yeah I think that's the interesting part of it though right it's like mm. you have those early thoughts and those early doubts and then within a few months that all changes dramatically yeah. It's uh, not that long. It's just with Stardom and Joshi, it moves so quickly that a couple of months can feel like a couple of years. Yeah, so that feud with Jungle, Kiona, and Jan ultimately brings us to the draft decision five-way. Mm -hmm. The draft decision five-way. Obviously, not only will it decide the order of the picks in the upcoming Stardom draft, I believe this was the second Stardom draft? Second one, 20, yes. Yes, in 2019. But it will also disband a faction. Mm -hmm. And you may say, well, Hanukkah doesn't have a faction. Well, that was the trick here, folks. Yeah. Um, That's not a bad thing. Like, oh, I'm entering this faction tournament without a faction. If I lose, nothing changes. If if I win, or if I survive even, then I get a group. Like, it's it's a pretty good swing of things. I, yeah, yeah, I, I like that idea. I yeah. like thinking back to it. And it would be like if we did it now, which there's too many factions to do it now mm. but if if say if they were to do it now and say suzu suzuki right perfect option right she yeah. was like i'll be in it if i lose oh well i'll just get drafted right mm. but if not you know name whatever faction disbands and it's something it's like a, it's that. a good way to elevate someone too it really is it really is and by the end of this night i won't say match but the night 
things obviously change dramatically, but I think I think you kind of got the idea of where we were going and and how special it was. And by then, Hana was, you know, she figured out what she was going to have yeah. for gear, too, which yeah. I feel like is pretty important. Um, so the decision five-way went like this. I'll, I'll give everyone the order of picks and eliminations. So Iwatani, uh, Mayu Iwatani, of course, she got the first pick by, I believe she was eliminated Kagetsu from uh, the ring, and then it was Momo Watanabe who also eliminated Kagetsu from the ring to get the next pick. Then Kagetsu got the third pick, and it was Hanakamura uh, who wrestled uh, wrestled and fought off with Jungle Kiona in the end, officially eliminating Jungle Kiona, um, ending Jan once and for all, giving Hanakamura her own faction a chance to draft. Um, she'd have the final pick, obviously, mm. and this isn't a podcast about Jungle Kiona and Jungle Assault Nation, but still very important, obviously, as it was a very emotional moment. And then they had to go get drafted. Yes. Yeah. After that, you know, especially for Jungle, after seeing her group that she put together a year ago because they were rejects, because no one wanted them. You know, she'd worked hard all year to try and make it work, only to then get it disbanded. Very sad things, but that is the way of life for a Jungle Kiana fan. So at the time, uh, it was Stars, Queen's Quest, the Wado Tai, and International Army. Yeah, there was no name Hanna's. for this group yet. Right. It was just Hana's mystery group. Yeah, yeah, it was the international crew um, that it would ultimately become in a lot of ways. But it, of course, wasn't just the international crew. Yeah. Um, but at the time going into this, as we were talking about, that was kind of Hana's spot. But let's 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 go through the draft results here because it, you know, let's talk about the draft a little bit. Um and, and we'll focus on Hana Kimura's picks. But as the rounds went on, first pick was Starlight Kid, which I think is just funny to think about in retrospect. Um, second pick was Azumi, third pick was Azuki, fourth, and the first pick for Hana Kimura was none other than Jungle Kiyota. Yeah. Obviously, that's where this all takes off. That is where Tokyo Cyber Squad starts to take place, mm-hmm. right? Jungle Kiona, someone that Hana was in, you know, very personal with. She's the one that eliminated her in the end. She made Jungle Kiona her first pick, and and Jungle Jungle had a really good promo when mm-hmm. she got into the ring, and she was talking about how you know devastated she was that Jan's now gone. You know, a, a group that she created, but she liked Hana's way of life, and that's how. Like within, with very quickly, you started to kind of feel like, oh, all right, this is you know this because you know if if something like that happens in such an emotional way, you almost like, are they going to resist for mm. a while? Like, are they going to be not so connected? Kind of like when Starlight Kid switched factions to Edo Tai, for example, and then ultimately started to like it over there. But right off the bat, John was like, I like the way of life. It does take her and the next pick a little bit of time to truly adopt uh, Hannah's way. They're both on board. That makes the matches fun, to be fair. Yeah, they're both on board with her. But you like whenever she's introducing stuff for what would become Tokyo Cyber Squad, they're a little bit hesitant. They're kind of looking at her like, what the hell? You you can see that progression from, I respect the way you go about things, but I'm not there yet. Uh, next round, Risa Yoshiki, Utami Hayashishida, Andras Miyagi, and again, for Tokyo Cyber Squad, another big shock. 
mm-hmm. was Hanakamura selecting Konami, Konami leaving Queen's Quest, and really completing that key trio that made Tokyo Cyber Squad as popular as it was. Um, it's good but, because the next couple of picks, woof. <laughs> this is true. Um, I, I, what I love about this part is like uh, Konami was like, yeah, I don't hate you. we wrestled we're cool (laughs) and it's important to mention too she's doing all of this without a microphone she's doing all this sitting on the top like on the ropes everyone else is sort of getting up they're doing their thing and then they sort of step aside hana doesn't move at all from this spot she stays there the further she goes to moving is with kanami as they do a little sort of slap slap fist bump and she has to lean forward to initiate to initiate it that's that's the amount of movement she does half the time she doesn't need a microphone it's just this is and she's there with her mobile phone she's kind of after the match she's trying to fix her hair like you're getting a lot of personality and character work here even though she's not the focus yeah she's a quarter of the focus of this draft yeah i'm happy you touched on that now because i'm gonna i've hidden those first two picks and then kind of this is where i want to talk about that personality Mm. and we talked about in the first episode how she could steal the attention of the room and her sitting there on the turnbuckle the entire time mm-hmm. right it, it, it played to who she was and how she was the center of attention even when she wasn't always right there were people in the middle of the ring with microphones the entire segment but it was hard to not pay attention to hana and yeah. th- my favorite part is her not having a microphone because she's yeah. just like yeah i'll i'll pick that one and it's like stuff like that that is so perfect and, and look it's in she can keep a first string so it's a bit easier to do this without a microphone she's not in the tokyo dome she's not great at carning it um but like it's still impressive yeah and the other thing i think that should be mentioned here too is we can talk about oh you know she steals the chance up at the same time though she doesn't take away from the important points no. Well, story within the draft because it's not just about Hana. You've got Mayu being Mayu and having issues with some of her uh, draft selections and the places she picks them. You've got uh, Kagetsu, who honestly is like in many ways the main character of this between oh, yeah. the Izumi pick and then the on running Natsu Samir joke that goes on, which that alone makes this draft must watch. Yes. But like it'd be very easy for someone doing what Hana's doing to. Mm-hmm. overtake the entire proceedings she doesn't do that and that's that speaks to a certain level of maturity and recognizing that even if you're getting yourself over you don't have to be the one and only main character here also good camera work for this entire segment. yes i want to I wanna point that out because <laughs> like every time it was hana's turn to pick they go to like the one shot and then when it was everyone else, pretty much because because you want to see who Han is pointing at mm. and stuff like that. And I always I always liked that aspect of it. Um, the draft would continue. She'd pick Mary Apache. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Natsumi Apache, Rebel Kel, Bobby Tyler, Ruaka, and then this is this is the this is the one I want to focus on, obviously. Yeah. Um, so the draft's over for everyone except for Hana. She wants to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep adding because Ruaka, of course, at the time, I, how old was she? She would have been 15. 15? Yeah, I think, yeah. And then Rena was 13. Yeah, yeah. 
So they're the last two picks that are present. Um, there's one more pick after that we'll get to. But this is where so she picks Ruaka and then oh, Eeny Meeny Mani Eeny yes, Eeny Meeny Mani Mo, of course. She picks Ruaka and then Rena's there crying. And Hana says, Look at the little pink baby. All right, come over here. And and it's it's a beautiful moment, especially now, right? Because we're we're seeing this in real time of of where she's going and and how Rena is now a key part of Hanakamura's memorial shows. Um she you know, and she she made humor out of it, but she also made it really classy. She says, She's like me, I'm not an extraordinary person, right? And I think that's like the beautiful part of this. Rena, you know, with tears in her eyes, gets in the ring, says, Hanasan, I love you, and just embraces her. And then Hana just goes, That's awesome. And it's like, it's one of the purest moments that you'll see, not only in the draft, but in stardom's history, truthfully. Mm-hmm. And it 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 really gives you the idea of that connection that her and Rena would create, you know, in the next year. Um, you know, I obviously Rena has went on to become a part of Uedo Tai and really capture that connection, following in Hana's footsteps in a lot yes. of ways. And I think that's the beautiful part of it all. Um, I get a little emotional every time I watch this because it's like, ah, she's so good at this. Little, you you can tell how much it meant to Rena at the time. Um, yeah. and obviously it was emotional there, but seeing everything in hindsight, knowing. Yeah, because we didn't really know at this stage how much Hana meant to Rena, even with what she said in the ring. Like, it's only afterwards when you see how she adopts Tokyo Cyber Squad and how she adopts Hana in the aftermath of everything that you really begin to appreciate that this wasn't just a kind of a cute emotional bit, but there's a lot of heart and actual meaning behind this. Um, and then she'd pick Kaori Oniyama, who was not present no. <laughs> at the time, but more or less at the insistence of Jungle by the looks of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Jungle's yeah. talking to her, and she's like, I don't like the senpai, but why not? Yeah, and then we'd get uh, Death Yamasan out of that, so obviously, well worth the pick. Um, and then that that's from there, we we start to get into the development of Tokyo Cyber Squad, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, it wasn't right off the bat that one, all this worked. But two, they even had a name. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's the fun part of it, right? It's like it's 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 almost perfect to Hanakamura in that if you had a name and everything worked per right off the bat, it wouldn't have made as much sense, right? Yeah. She has her new faction. She's like, Oh, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm still you know, she's still figuring out herself as a wrestler. Mm. Why would she have this down? And as time goes on, obviously, it all starts to connect. And sooner than later, they are Tokyo Cyber Squad. But the growing pains were enjoyable growing pains, yes. you know, especially with Jungle and Konami. It was it was kayfabe growing pains. Like, yes, as a team, they worked really well very quickly. Yes. But it's the little behind-the-scenes stuff and the, the, the uh, post-match comments where it's, yeah, just sort of a little bit of bickering and Jungle obviously having come off the back of being a leader, maybe not fully ready to give up those reins, but also recognising Hunter is the leader here. Uh, it, it's a fun little period of them finding themselves. And, yeah, Hunter, the... Personality, the cult of personality with Hana kind of seeping into 
everyone involved in Tokyo Cyber Squad and how that influences each of their next progressive steps. I think that's the most interesting thing about Tokyo Cyber Squad. You felt Hana with every single one of them, mm, right? Mm. She she almost painted herself in some way on each of them. Even if, it, like, some people just say it's by the gear, and yeah, maybe that's it, but they also look awesome. So, yeah. you know, she nailed that one. It, it's very, it, right, if you almost put anyone else in a gas mask with a sword, you'd be like, with neon colors, you'd be like, hmm. I don't know about mm-hmm. that, but there was just something about TCS and especially Hana that just absolutely made that the coolest looking look in pro wrestling. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, this is one of the fondest uh, parts of 2019 because 2019, folks, if you don't know by now, is one of Stardom's most popular years in terms of mm-hmm. that's when a lot of fans came in, um, yeah. one for one reason or another. Hmm. And a lot of one of the reasons that 2019 was so great were those artists of stardom championships, something that we really um, saw a lot of in 2022, right? The artists of stardom titles really became prominent in a lot of ways. And that is not a pun because prominence won the titles at the end of the year, but they became an essential part, and almost every match was must see. And I think that. You can look to 2019 and you can look to Tokyo, Tokyo Cyber Squad winning them uh, as kind of maybe the last time that was really necessary, you know, in, with them and on because uh, Hana, Jungle, Konami, they were a fantastic trio. In, in many ways, this is kind of... It's hard to appreciate why this reign was so special if you're coming at it from 2023 and onwards because, like, the, the artist belt's kind of feeling some measure of importance and having value on the card and being big matches. It's something that just kind of happens now, but that was very much a luxury at this period. A lot of the times the artist belts were just kind of, they felt like they are just thrown on three people. It was a case of, oh, this faction doesn't have a title, we better give them something and... Yeah, just an easy way to kind of give someone a belt. Uh, but with these three, and obviously, like, it cemented Tokyo Cyber Squad and their core three as a dangerous trio. But in many ways, they kind of made these belts feel interesting and important. Yeah, because Tokyo Cyber Squad were taking Stardom by a storm pretty quickly. And here they were, like, the, the main three all standing there with their championships, making them feel important. They had special gear for the trio's runs where they each had specific colour schemes. You know, we didn't necessarily see that a lot at the time. Um, yeah, they made these belts feel more important than they were at the time. They made them feel like they kind of feel in 2023. And they only held them for 38 days. Mm. That's that's how impactful the run was, though. Yeah. Right. They only held them for just over a month, yet it's one of the fond memories of that year for a lot of people. And of course, this was the final title that Hana Kimura would hold in her career. So mm. obviously, a little emotional point there. But um, they had some really good matches. They faced. Uh, they beat. So they beat Mayu Saki and Tam for them. Uh, they defended them against Kigetsu, I believe, Andras, and was it Natsu? It was Natsu. Of course it was Natsu. Silly me. Um, and then they eventually lose them to Mayu, Saki, and Tam. Um, but within those matches, you really 
I think saw the potential of where TCS was going to go mm. in a lot of ways because maybe the rain was only 38 days, but like you said, with the matching um, costumes for the belts, which you know kind of has become a little more popularized now. Mm. Um, not always, because obviously not everyone changes their gear for it, but we yeah. saw it specifically with uh, Mahime Poi, for example. Mm. Mm. Um, they just they just changed a lot for stardom as a group and i'm not just they didn't need titles to do it that's the that's the exciting part didn't hurt because that kind of propelled them right in a lot of ways they didn't need the long run they just needed the that first initial um push and that was really the initial push for hanakamura yeah i mean this is like obviously we're going to get into the bigger part of 2019 for hanakamura in terms of success but this kind of established her as a leader it established like the progression because konami and jungle counter were both kind of seen in your mid-card upper mid-card level like they could hang with just about anyone but you wouldn't expect them to beat uh, you know the, the upper echelon hanakamura at the was kind of in that same spot you know there were a bunch of upper mid-carders just kind of finding themselves and we would see this progression of hanakamura from mid up and mid into that main event level talent through this year leading into what would be the five-star grand prix perfect lead-in five-star grand prix 2019 you know if you are a stardom fan now and if you become a stardom fan 2021 and on you know the five-star grand prix as maybe the best tournament in professional wrestling um for me, it's been that way at least since 2021. I think 2020 kind of played more to what that year was for them overall, and it was about yeah, establishing something. It was a decent five-star, yeah. but it doesn't have the same depth of right. our quality and right. in-ring performance. Right. 2021, obviously, will forever be the unbelievable Shuri run. Um, still, I don't know how – it was like, you know, if you care about star ratings, it was like – all the stars every single match she had yeah um and that's that's discounting the other great performances throughout that tournament by countless other individuals um both tam and utami had great runs obviously as the mm-hmm. champions um julia had a great early run before she had to obviously exit which was a big story there um momo had a great run onto the finals so on and so forth you get the point um yeah it was a great tournament. Then twenty twenty two. I mean, what what can can what can we say about the hundred fifty seven match tournament? Uh, that hasn't been said already. But back then, obviously, this the tournament wasn't it wasn't the 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 G one size mindset. I think mm. is that my best way of saying it. Obviously, there were. Great matches in the tournament. I'm not saying they weren't great matches. But as we see, especially with the winner here, that was eventually Hanakamura, this was about telling a story from start to finish. And that's not to say Julia and Shuri didn't tell their stories. Obviously, we saw Julia tell her story. Um, but this was about growing. And you saw, and this is, this is a uh, tournament that I have study deeply i wrote literally like paragraphs about every single match and an article i did once upon a time 
which I do have up here. I'm not going to read every single word, but it paragraph one, paragraph one, uh, line one. Uh, <laughs> but it was the transformation for Hanukkah I think, from lots of potential to bona fide superstar by the end. I think that's how I felt about it. She didn't need to win the world title. She should have. But she didn't need to win the world title to become the bona fide superstar. By the end of this tournament, by the by the time she won it, you felt that, I think, for her. It, it, it was a transformation. Obviously, she had the iconic look in this tournament, right, with the braids mm. and, you know, the look that Julia ended up sporting in, in memory and uh, for those who, you know, may know what I'm talking about. The braids, the camo sh- pants, the – it was just, like, obviously a, a very phenomenal look that everyone remembers. But there are – every single match – in this tournament meant something mm. to her story. I don't know if you could say that about every winner of every round robin type tournament, right? You just, but this was very important, you know, starting with Tam Nakano, ending with Konami. Um, before we get into like the match by match, uh, what do you remember about this tournament? I think you've pretty much hit it on the nail the nail on the head with the description of this being a growing tournament. When Hanukkah entered, she was one of the favourites. I think people saw there was a very real chance that they could push her into that spot. Um, but there's still kind of the question marks. Like, yes, the character work was there. She's leading the group. Some questions around pure match quality. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter as much back then as it did you know, maybe now in terms of your top champion need to be able to deliver a certain level of match. But Hana wasn't on the level of Mayu or Kagetsu or Momo Watanabe or Riso Shiki. But this was the tournament where she could really begin to start to show that level of ability, to show that she could hang in these big match situations. And just the maturity as a character, every match meant something, but you could see the growth in that wrestling. She started to find new moves. She started to really nail in what Anakamura, the wrestler, on a main event level, would look like bell to bell. She'd already found it outside of that, but this was the final piece of the puzzle, I think, for many people. And going, okay, she deserves to be in this spot. Also worth noting, these matches weren't long. Mm. Uh, right? We weren't. We weren't hitting those near 30 minutes and ultimately they brought it back to 15 minutes this past year but still those were pushing 15 minutes more often than not um so so her tournament started off with tam nakano like i said and if you watch this match back and this tournament back you'll see the amount of confidence hana enters with into this tournament and it's really tested as the tournament goes on, that confidence because she starts off with two wins. She beats Tam, mm-hmm. right? She beats Natsu Sumire, and, and we'll get to that match in a second. But the Tam one, I love this one because you have on one side someone coming in with all the confidence in the world, and on the other side, Tam's kind of not feeling that way. And you know, we didn't get to touch on in the draft, which was a funny little moment, but. Uh, Mayu drafted Tam, and Tam was like, well, I wasn't first, so who cares? Yeah. Um, and there was a little, and, you know, plays to the long-term storytelling of Mayu and Tam, ultimately. But 
She didn't have that confidence, but as we see with Tam Nakano, she gains confidence in matches, and now she's the most confident person in the whole wide world. But that's what I love about this match is that it was one person coming in confident, the other person finding themselves at the match go on. Um, and we and Hana was really to uh, able to establish the hydrangea in this tournament, starting with this match. Yeah, and I mean, like, not only was it important in terms of like establishing the personalities heading in, but obviously this has a lot of story beforehand as well yes. because Hunter and Tom were very close in Oedo Tai. When Tam was forced out of Oedo Tai, Hunter kind of went psychotic. There's that deep connection that continues on through this match, and you see that history there, which is one of the great things of the Five Star Grand Prix is it allows history to come back in in moments, even if there's not active feuds going on. And it always kind of lifts up a match. But yeah, it, it just adds to these kind of moments in terms of like the story beforehand and then growing beyond, which would be Hunter's story in the Five Star and also Tam's. Speaking of history, there was the next match, the Natsu Sumire match. And this one is one of my favorite Natsu matches because you get a serious Natsu mm. and you play off that pass that these two had, obviously, with the Uedo tie. And it's a very physical match. Like, I think a lot of people, obviously, if you know who Natsu is now, you're not, maybe you're not accustomed to. I think everyone just sees Natsu as a jokester, obviously. that's mm. And that's uh, understandably so. That's pretty much been her. And her most popular run was the jokester. But sometimes she turns it up to a gear, and, and that's what Hana was really great at in this match. Um, Natsu just shoves Hana off the top rope, and it was on. Um, it was physical. It was personal. Hana did win in the end, again, with the hydrangea, but... This was the match that I think upped the tempo and ultimately when she won was like the final block for Hana in terms of, oh, this is, this tournament's nothing. All right, I got this. And mm. we get to win that change, but. Yeah, and I mean, this is the beautiful thing of a Natsu Samir type character is for as much comedy as there is, when they turn serious, it feels naturally it feels more important much in the same way you take an orange cassidy who is chill relaxed doesn't take it seriously when he does uh, even if the match is just on a free to a free tv kind of uh show him doing that automatically makes it feel twice as important and the same thing here with natsu samir she's taking it important so we automatically do as well and even though going in you assume yeah look Hana's winning unless Natsu kind of gets lucky, which can happen in the five-star. But you're assuming, yeah, Hana's probably winning this. But the way Natsu goes about it suddenly makes the match more compelling by itself. 100%. And if if you felt the need to... And at this point, I think my favorite part of it is her confidence was beaming after this match. Heading into the match number three against Saki Kashima. Saki Kashima, who at the time, mind you, was babyface star Saki Kashima, someone who wasn't necessarily um, as cocky as she mm. is now, even if she's not, you know, winning every match. There's a cockiness and heelishness to her. Back then, that wasn't the case. Yet, Hanakamura was pinned in eight seconds. Mm. Yeah, even though the Oedo Taisaki Kashima we know now isn't here, the revival pin, the it's still there. And that's it's been a gimmick of hers for a long time. 
and face or heel, it's always worked masterfully, perfect for these kind of situations. And we get a shock and a beautiful shock at that. It's one of my favorite tournament shocks because it's quick, it's effective. You you have Hana going into the match beaming and she's leaving it confused, shocked, mm. angry. And the John Moxley after Tori Yano kind of uh, exactly, exactly that. Um, her next match, she beat Avery in pretty handed fashion to kind of get back on track mm. to set up a match with Azumi. Azumi, who then was able to again shock Hana Kamura. It's you know, this the, the beauty of this, and this is a really good match if you want to see some early Azumi too. Um, she wasn't even meant to be in the tournament. Exactly. She was a last-minute replacement. Um, and not only who and she does very well for she had a hell of a run. <laughs> well, she was only two points off Hana Kamara in the end, and she got the win over her. Yep, which uh, is interesting because right now, now she's down. Now she's at three-two. Hmm. And this is my favorite thing. She's going into matches with the ace Mayu Yutani and the dominant, unbeatable. Or formerly unbeatable, uh, wonder of stardom champion Momo Watanabe. Obviously, two tall tasks, no doubt about mm. it. And these, if you're looking for her best matches from this tournament, not so shockingly, they come in the form of Mayu Yutani and Momo Watanabe. And these matches, I thought this is where you really see her as an in ring competitor connect all those dots because she's doing it against the best, obviously, but you have to rise up to being that level and i thought these matches and i remember them vividly they were just so good (laughs) yeah this is where you begin to realize like she'd done well in the tournament obviously uh but this was the opportunity for her to go up against someone who could match her at this kind of level because we talk about tam nakano in 2019 she was still very much finding herself Tam Nakano from here wasn't the Tam Nakano we know in 2023. It's a, there's a long story of growth there, and a very interesting one. Uh, uh, we'll yeah. go down the Tam road eventually, don't you worry. It's a, it's a long road. There's a reason this is stardom road. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Mayu and Momo gives her a chance to kind of go move for move with someone who is at that level. You know, if you're having main event matches, title matches, these are the kind of people you're going to face. These are the kind of people you need to be having top star matches with. And that's what she does. Yeah, they're excellent. If you mm. want, and I, looking back, because I, I remember watching this, I don't know if these are even my two favorites of her tournament because the next match after these two um, had another level of personal that obviously these two did. These two were about proving something. Yeah, it's three and four after the next yeah. match in Saki Kashima. Yeah, so the Momo one's specifically fantastic because she's able to pull out the big win. Mm. Um, Hana's able to pull out the big win and give herself a shot at winning this tournament, setting up the match with Hazuki um, to eventually clinch. And again, we're playing to that history once again with the way to tie, and it's very documented, the rivalry that Hazuki and Hana have with one another. Yeah, and they're two like minds in the sense of wrestling style. Neither of them are overly flashy necessarily. Both have just like their core moveset. It makes sense. It's nothing over the top, but they just execute it so well. And they execute it with a certain viciousness that really shines through. And when you've got someone to bounce off of that with, it just 
it's like and like just kind of combining to, you know, the sum of all parts working particularly well here. And it's just explosive, exciting, a lot of fun. And I would recommend watching that match if for no other reason because we may or may not be using that as one of our matches for next fortnight. Yes, yes. And, and again, because it's a very important one, but that brings us to the final against Konami. And I think it's mm-hmm. always unique when you see faction versus faction oh, yeah. in any sense. And maybe Stardom in the, is in the midst of setting something like that up for this upcoming five-star based mm. off of, you know, recent trends. And I don't know. I'm not going to bring them up just in case I'm wrong. But you never so Ida versus Hanan. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Oh, Saeed is never touching five-star final. Uh, <laughs> so she goes against Konami. Konami, was she in the finals of the Cinderella 2 this year? Uh, of this 2019? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, was. so yeah. Konami was a two-time finalist that year. Yes. She got zero wins. Um, but still important, and it, this was a really good way for... Hana to finish her road to getting the five-star Grand Prix victory. And it really was the establishment of a superstar. Mm. Um, I remember saying at the end, it wasn't that she was a star. It's that she was the star moving forward. Um, This would set her up for a match with Bea Priestley. Yes, she was the champion. Yes. For the World of Stardom Championship. And that's kind of where I'm just going to leave it to Trent. <laughs> yeah, look, I was very lucky to be in Tokyo during this time. I got to watch this show live from the second row. Um, and it was I coming into this particular show, I've said this before, not necessarily on this podcast, but um there were two big matches on this card. It was Hana versus B for the World of Stardom Championship and Arisa Hoshiki versus Kagetsu for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And coming in, I thought, oh, yeah, semi-main event. That's what I'm here for. Two of my absolute favorite wrestlers going head-to-head. They had a great match in the Five Star Grand Prix. I cannot wait. Hana versus B, eh, like, it'd be cool. Like, if Hana wins, fantastic. But, you know, B Priestley hadn't necessarily proven herself in stardom yet she had but she hadn't she was still very much a a work in progress at this point as a in-ring wrestler these two i don't know what it was but they just meshed in a way that was unexpected and absolutely main event shouldn't be quite quite unquote stealing the show it should automatically do that but these two stole the show uh, they went hard. They went fast. It just brought out the best of each other. It was such an electric atmosphere. Everyone in the crowd wanted Hana Kimura to win. Not in a way that, like, uh, B, lost, B won and everyone was like, oh, boo, walking away kind of thing. But everyone was just so behind Hana and her story. Tokyo Cyber Squad was so red hot at this point that there was just such an electricity in the crowd. And Hana being Hana kind of plays off of that. She's got that defiant, rebellious personality B bounces off of that pretty well too. It's a good sort of establishment for her character and what would become her character more in Oedo Tai. It was, yeah, this is a match that had no expectations of being this good, went above, beyond, and one of my favourite matches to have seen live, not necessarily best match, but just in terms of atmosphere, electricity, and everything coming together in a surprisingly fun way. Yeah, this is a match that, highlight the if you want to see great Hannah Kimura or especially great B Priestley, this is one of the first matches I point to. Yeah, I think uh this match plays to 
being elevated because of a crowd, right? Mm. I think that's really what You're kind of what this match was. <laughs> yes, we could thank you for that. You were you were a key part. I'm sure you were the loudest one. Um, knowing you and how loud you are, obviously. Um, oh yes, I'm, I'm an exuberant boisterous oh, yeah. fellow. But um, obviously she loses, and it's kind of shocking. Kind of, sh- and I say it's kind of shocking because of where they're going. Obviously, we kind of, if, if you can connect the puzzle and connect the dots, you can kind of mm. figure out where they were going long term, and you understand why this was a loss. But it was still to get her to that next level, which it did. Yeah. Um, ultimately, Mayu Tani would be the one to beat Bea Priestley, go on a year plus long reign, one of the most important reigns in mm. the company's history, mind you. So, can't really say they made the wrong decision there. Um, but after this, it is interesting time for Hanukkah. Hanukkah, the rising star, despite losing the world title match, you know, after despite winning, the, you know, she she's won a made woman. She's a made woman. She won the tournament, but she lost the world title match. Mm-hmm. And now it's what's next. And then the next new star walks in the door. None Literally the day that she loses to be Priestley, she yeah. walks through the door. Yeah. Uh, some of you may know her. Uh, she is the one and only Julia, of course, who walked in, you know, not under the best circumstances. It mm. angered a lot of people. Um, that being said, she was walking in to, of course, become a star. And mm-hmm. who better for her to feud with first than Hana Kimura? And I live by this forever without Hana Kimura Julia does not establish herself the way she does it's yeah it's the energy that they shared together that brought out the Julia that we see now we I don't it, think it, Julia it really reaches this does. level without it it's it, it's it's tough to imagine Julia without this Hana Kimura rivalry not that it's a particularly long rivalry by any stretch of the imagination but like it's so influential for Julia, I think finding what she needs to be. Not that she didn't necessarily know when she came in, but what you see with her story with Hanukkah, you can see through just about every facet of Julia's personality, her in-ring style, the way she carries herself from that moment onwards. And whether she discovers it without Hanukkah, how long it takes without Hanukkah, it's hard to pick. But we're just lucky that we even got what we did because it's so important to the stardom of 2023 with Julia being one of the most important characters. This is one of my favorite matches of all time. I think just because looking back and how important it was for both of them, um, and it's part of one of the greatest shows in stardom's history, mind you. Mm. This is year in climax 2019, kind of in a lot of ways the end of an era and what ultimately would be the end of an era. At the time, it was supposed to be the start of an exciting yeah, future. Um, but it was more at the end of an era, of course. Uh, the the show involved a Konami challenge against Arisa Shiki for the Wonder Star Championship. Uh, Mayu Yutani and Kagetsu one on one in a tremendous World of Stardom title match in the main event. But it was before both of those that it was Julia and Hanukkah going head to head. Fifteen minute draw at the time, mind you. Julia was on a dominant, you know establishment at the time and yeah hana of course was you know still red hot off of that tournament win with tcs again riding high and 
there was an energy there if you watch this match back and i think this is actually free on youtube i know stardom it's one of the first matches stardom uploaded as the we are stardom uh mm, mm. grouping and i know the match is in full because i've i've watched both ways on stardom world and through that um but this match is so good and it's so physical and i i remember telling people like when i watched it finally some people have watched it, and i think this is probably based off of the feeling towards julia at the time but some people kind of just glazed over and moved on and maybe that's also because of what was else was on the show mm. too but i remember like i watched and i remember telling people like this match was amazing like everyone this was like that type of match like it just jumped out to me because mm. of their characters going head to head and the physicality and right like the the crowd playing to it and i told people and they go back and watch and be like oh man what? It's what a very I... raw match, and it's yeah. very unlike Stardom at this point. Like, mm-hmm. if you saw this match in 2023, it would feel right at home, just mm. the way they go at each other. And it's very similar to Julia Maya Yukihi um, yes. in that respect. But in this period, it's not the norm for them. And Julia, having just come in, still, you know, people aren't fully convinced of her and maybe the level of attention she's getting. I can understand why this went under the radar because it wasn't traditional stardom. It didn't tick a lot of the boxes people were looking for. But it is very much, I think, a year or two before its time. And, yeah, you go back and watch it now, even if you weren't fully appreciative of it, I think with especially modern stardom lenses, it works a lot better. It does. It does. And uh, to me, it does mark what would have been the start of a long time feud between mm. these two. You know, Julia was on her way to winning the Wonder of Stardom Championship at the time. I firmly believe Hanakamura was going to be the one taking that title off of her. Um and also at the time there was a story between or over overall between Tam Nakano and Ariso Shiki. And of mm. course that couple days ultimately resulted in Julia and Tam Nakano becoming the lifetime rivals and main eventing the biggest show in stardom's history. It's it's and a crazy, doing it again. It's it, this is true. It's a crazy domino effect that all of this came to be. But uh before we get into that part of it, there was a very important match on January fourth. Mm. Featuring that, both of them. That we couldn't see. Uh <laughs> which still pains me, but it was kind of the establishment of four, and I know we ta- wrestling tosses this around like stupidness these days, but it was. And Trent has a great article about what if about this, um, about really this time. But it's Arisa Shiki and Mayu Yutani going head to head with Julia and Hanakamura mm-hmm. at Wrestle Kingdom inside the Tokyo Dome, of course. Yes. A, and this is obviously a major major point this was the start of really bushy roads run in terms of bringing stardom into the mix and mm. make him feel like a more important crew and you know as time would go on they would start to get the bigger venues and they start to grow and now we're here with the stardom we know as today and it's like you know it, it almost feels like it happened in a flash but didn't because it's been three years since then yeah it's important to remember that Stardom at this time was still they maxing out at Kirk and Hall. Now, yep. Kirk and Hall was maxed out. Like, it was literally, yeah. you could not get a standing seat. Uh, you couldn't get a, a standing seat. Wow. You couldn't get a standing ticket in the I was going to let it go. 
I, I, I can't. I have to knock myself when I do stuff like that. You know, it was that full. And, like, you, you watch Stardom, watch the Stardom shows from Kirk and Hall during these couple of months after the Bushy Road acquisition. And it is a completely different beast. You could tell they were moving on to bigger and better things from this. But moving into Wrestle Kingdom for the very first time, Tokyo Dome for the very first time, this is, it feels like, oh, where is stardom going? What can it become? Mm-hmm. Now, even the most excited people during this era, I don't think were picturing what they would get to now. Like, yeah. even ignoring what happened with the pandemic, like, their growth over these next couple of years is just astronomical. But going back to tw- the start of 2020, Kurokan Hall being the max out, and they're getting this spot in Tokyo that we never get to see. Um, it's just like yeah. that real... Even some people were wary of the Bushiroad era. They were worried of what it would become in terms of taking their product and changing it. Yeah. But there was a lot of excitement about where they could end up with this kind of opportunity and backing. Yeah, it, and the placement of these four wasn't a mistake, obviously. Mm. That's kind of what I was hinting at. These four were going to lead stardom into the future, and in the, they were going to lead Bushi Road era stardom. Yeah. Um, and within five months after this match, two of them were unfortunately no longer with the company, mm. and we'll get to that soon but uh one i'm still angry we never got to see this i will never forget it because like the graphic pops up once in a while i don't know why i just see the graphic once in a while I'm like yeah i've never uh never got to see that one <laughs> it's <laughs> going to it, be one honest. of those matches that people just forever yearn to see yeah. and it's just locked in a vault somewhere it's from what we can gather it's copyright like issues between TV Asahi and because that was what stopped the first couple of Wrestle Kingdom matches for stardom being aired because it was TV Asahi doing New Japan and Samurai TV who do stardom so there was that issues but hopefully one day they work out a way to make this available and you know because it's such an important match for stardom but more importantly it's such an important match for Hana Kimura um, Mm -hmm. that I think not, not that we deserve anything, but this is a match I think people should have the right to be able to see, given that it has been filmed. It's just yeah. sitting there. Yeah, I want to see her and Julia on the same team. I really want to see that. Uh, I know I it's only not... her and Re- I, I just want to see her in the Tokyo Dome. Everyone yeah. else, you know, and the rest I like. The, I I think more importantly, with the, not even the match, but I just want to see the entrances. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because obviously we haven't seen and we can only go on secondhand information because neither of us were in the Tokyo Dome, unfortunately. Sadly, I've talked to a couple not. of people who have, um, and like they do talk about how the four women come out and they don't get grand entrances. It's it's right. a dark match. It's those that awkward period where all the lights are still up and you know half the people aren't in their seats yet. It's a very th- these matches always feel a little weird. Um, yeah. All four of them come out. Hana Kimura and this is what people have been, a couple of people have said talking about this thing. Hana Kimura feels on a different level from the other three, just based on the way she carries herself, projects herself as a person, as a character with that aura. And how we've talked about in the past of Hana Kimura feeling like a superstar and just having the quote-unquote it, I think this match probably does showcase it better than any other, if we could say it. I think that's the best way to kind of compare that now is how people feel about Julia, mm. which yeah. again, 
and we're going to talk about this um, in a few minutes, kind of all the tributes and whatnot to Hana. And I keep saying it, Julia's pretty much entire career from there on out became tributes in many ways, whether it be through matches, through mm. looks, through feelings. Like I, I even hear Hanukkah uh, not Hanukkah. Julia's theme song now. And I'm like, I almost feel like this was made for Hanukkah Moore in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's like, I could see her come out to a theme song like this. Mm. Um, that's just a personal thing. I Obviously, it's a newer song, so that was never the case. But it just feels like that. Um, but let's get to it. Let's uh, obviously finish up her run here. Her last match would come on uh, March 24th, 2020. Cinderella first round. Her and Mayu Itani. Uh, seven minutes 56 seconds of course the show before that was no people gate uh so this was of course again right in the middle of covid um really changing the world as is and dramatically changing professional wrestling not just the you know obviously the whole world but professional wrestling in japan to an extreme level and we're only just we only just got back cheering for stardom in 2023 yeah. this is yeah. when it, this is when that started and i think that's just well there's still some cheering about. here it's a very awkward yeah like, they don't know what to do <laughs> yeah they right. don't they, they haven't really worked out what the rules they shut are down again right after this right this, yeah this was the last right after match. the tournament yeah. yeah after this tournament they didn't come back until june 2020 or 21 Right. Um, it was it, it was that kind of period. Um, they were sort of running shows, and I don't think they were they were going to do a couple of shows, and then when Arisa and Hana, you know, left and passed yeah. away respectively, they, took time. they just cancelled and said, "Oh, they, they, they basically said we're not coming back until we can come back, come back." Yeah. So last match, Cinderella tournament. Julia go on to win this, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously not a I, I I don't want to say not a memorable match, but it's not a match that it's a good match, well, obviously. It's it's Hana it's and not Mayu. the fitting of a last ever match. Correct. And it's still surreal to think about, right? Mm. It, and um this was, you know, just two months prior to her passing. Um and it's hard to just think to that show and think that was the last time we'd get to see her wrestle. Mm. Um, in a lot of ways, I think the beauty of who she was is that she didn't... Obviously, we would have loved to see her get a last special match and you know reasons and go on of why that you know was never gonna happen but it's also fitting of who she was like i almost you know she she's not someone that she went out with a bang but you know she wrestled mayu tani of all people in her last match in a singles match Mm. right and it ended in a draw it's not you know it's not like she lost or one thing and I, i feel like that's special in a lot of ways maybe that's just me as a fan but even if it wasn't like this grand spanking end match it was still a tournament match where she finished it against Mayu Yutani who at the time was the world of stardom champion mm. I think that's still special in its own way yeah well it's like 
you, you know what's coming from this match. The yeah. double elimination draw. They were, they were running this back. It was going to be a bigger match. It was going to be for the title. Yep. Um, we didn't get that, unfortunately. Um, but you, it, it kind of shows to what would have been and what was coming. And even if we don't get that in this timeline, in this world, um, just knowing what could have been is sad, but also, like, yeah, Hannah was special. Like, we, we we didn't even get to see the full breadth of what she was going to be capable of. And what we did get was amazing. Yeah, she was a special character before she even hit her peak. Um, and that, of course, brings us to May 23rd, 2020, when uh, Hannah Kimura sadly passed away. Hmm. Um, and... Um, that day obviously still is very surreal for everyone um in a lot of ways it's not a day um I, and i think the beauty of may 23rd now it's become a celebration of hanukkah more it's mm. not right we don't and and for a lot of people it's obviously hard to not think of that day but it's a credit to what kyoko kamara has done and what all of Hanukkah's friends have done, and what Kyoko Kimura's friends have done, and mm. what the wrestling world has done. They've made that day a special day rather than a day of sorrow, a day of sadness. And I think, you know, thinking back to that is always hard for me. Um, just the, the series of events, and we're not going to get into it because we don't want to, but we will bring up why it happened, of course, bullying on social media um she was a she was a part of this show called terrace house which was like a reality show in japan mm. um she was you know made to be a snottier character you know kind of, and this is what reality tv is right you're written a role because mm. as we knew hana kimura that wasn't her yeah um if anyone watched her in wrestling you know that wasn't her character and it's yeah. it's still surreal to me that they in they decided for that to be her character. I'm not going to get into that. Um, the, the crazy thing I will say, though, is I remember before this all happened, like I'd heard of Terrace House, I think, a year or two prior. And I remember hearing people saying, oh, it's reality TV, but it's without the reality TV sort of smearing of, you know, control and you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. That was how it was presented at. And then with everything that came out in light of the Hanukkah stuff, it was just kind of like, wow. So just every, everything's like that. There's no yeah. real reality shows right. here, is there? Couldn't be a bigger lie. Yeah. Um, and I think, obviously, we, yeah, we're not going to get into the trial and, and the, mm. the, the, the law side of things. That's, that's, that's for someone else that's smarter than me and, I won't say smarter than Trent, but someone that knows what they're talking about. I'm not going to get into that stuff because I think we don't know Japanese law. Nope. Um, not so at all. We're not qualified. We're not lawyers in any country, let alone Japan. No. Uh, we, we can't properly assess that kind of thing. We can have opinions, but right. we, we can't properly assess that kind of thing. And I think, you know, this is a stardom show. So to, to say after that, 2020 was weird it was a weird vibe mm. pretty much the rest of the year um obviously the recent shiki retirement didn't help either which was days before 
um, yeah. Hana's passing, that just that alone would have sent it into a weird five because Ryan Arisa was the Wonder of Stardom champion. Mm. Um, and if you've ever, and you know, we did an Arisa series, which everyone should go check out. Um, that you know, we talked about how she, kind of a bright star she was, right? She mm. she lit up a room as well. So losing two people who lit up a room and were such important parts of stardom then and their future within days in such tragic circumstances too like it wasn't a case of you know even like himiko is just retiring yeah because she wants to and she's had her fill both of these are circumstances that you didn't want to come across we different in their own way but just back to back during covid it was it was a very hard time to be a, a fan it was very crushing I, I always bring this up. Um, you know, fans didn't get to say goodbye to either of them, mm. one way or the other, right? With like, and I think the Hameka re- conversation is very important because Hameka, thankfully, she retired not due to injury; she retired on her choosing. Um, she made up for the lack of retirement moments here by just having every retirement <laughs> moment possible. Yeah, which was great, and she has one more coming up. Uh, <laughs> but, um. This could have been recorded any time, and that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, this is very true. I don't think I don't think the retirement moments are ever ending for Hameka, and I think that's okay. Um, and, and thinking back to then, and you know how they eventually restart, it's just like it's kind of surreal to me. Mm. Just to think about because it's like there's an emptiness without Hana there, right? We're we're talking, but we we talk about her in these two episodes as someone that was the center of her attention at all times even if she didn't mean to be but at the same time had an appreciation and maturity to give attention to others and mm. within that draft right and what she was to a lot of people like someone like young rena and she was a friend to many she was just everything i think that makes pro wrestling great yeah. in life great yeah, it is like you feel her absence so much in that first show, and obviously, like they do the the um, send off with the ten bell salute, um, but just like you know, something's not quite right with those first few shows, and mm. obviously, there's a lot of things, a lot of reasons for that beyond just Hanakamura and Arisa Hashiki because they're trying to deal with COVID, you've got the the clap crowds, and back then they're still not entirely, you know, there's a lack of comfort just being in the the building because, like, we still didn't fully know what was going on with COVID, Um, but you you notice the lack of Hunter there, and it it takes a while, I think, to really, for stardom to move beyond that. Um, I don't think they did. I know, I know, um, that changed a lot for stardom fans too a lot of people took a long time to come back to the product some didn't come back to the product at all because mm. it was just there was a hole there too without Hana. yeah and yeah. and now like i said at the beginning of this episode where you know we had to talk about sadness and but now we talk about the celebrations the celebration mm. of life that was the many celebrations of life. There was multiple. There have been multiple throughout the years, whether they were official shows or official matches that maybe we didn't expect um, and moments that we didn't expect. So, of course, let's look forward to the first, which was, of course, Matane, um, one of the greatest shows of all time. I, I am not sugarcoating that. 
I am not lying about that. That is one of the most perfectly perfected wrestling shows you'll ever see because there was an importance there. If you if, if it matters to you, it is the highest rated show on Cage Match. I, I had to get Cage Match in there one way or the other, but it is the highest rated show on Cage Match. Uh, the Hanakamura Memorial Produce Matane Show. Um, Kyoko Kimura is the best booker in the world. Uh, this was at Cork and Hall. It was aired um, live around the world on Fight TV. We had English commentary from Ian Riccoboni and Cheeseburger, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I still applaud Ian Riccoboni for what he was able to do. On that is that is one of the great calls I've ever heard because it is one of the toughest calls. Yeah, right. It's one year later. It's still very, very raw from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I applaud him and Cheeseburger and what they did, and really what everyone did to make that show happen. Um, and that night is surreal because there's a lot of tears shed, obviously, from start to finish, and from whether it be fans or the people in attendance or the wrestlers themselves. But there's also the magicalness of matches on the show, specifically two. Right? We get we get the return of Kagetsu and Hazuki. Mm. obviously that's like as big as it is the match was Asuka, Mio Momono, Natsupu and Shuri uh, facing Hazuki, Kagetsu Dathiyama-san and Konami that was special in its own right um, and I remember I remember watching that show and I was just like Kagetsu retired why? <laughs> obviously Kagetsu had the brutally beaten up neck and mm. that's why they uh he obviously retired but there was just something special um about the matches because the matches were able to take you away from what the event was all about in a good way in a good way yeah, obviously. yeah. right it was it gave a, you a chance to brave it did it did because and and obviously the battle royal did too it, it wasn't uh was it Hiroda that dressed up as Hana? I think so. Yeah, of course it was. Uh, <laughs> that shouldn't come as too much of a shock. And and obviously, you know, that was filled with wrestlers from everywhere. And I think that match really showcases how many friends Hana and Kyoko had, right? You have mm. you have Shima, you have uh, Jinsei Shinsaki, you have uh, Shitaro Ishino, you have uh, Chihiro Hashimo, Dash Chisako. You have pretty much anyone you could have possibly think of um, and people that you've never heard before but right you know, they still have that connection to kyoko and hana exactly um but to that eight person tag um it is one of my favorite matches because i i just i i remember going back and watching that um because at the time but mind you this was you know sure and not support taking part was a big moment because mm. um the for those who don't remember, Stardom had a show that day. Yeah, uh, that was, and I, I I remember a lot of people being upset about that. There was actually a match on that show. Julie and Mayu Yutani went one on one, and they paid their own tributes to Hana mm. um, in a special way, which was very cool of them. Um, it's not a match that like you need to go out of your way to see, but they yeah. did pay their respects. Yeah. Um, and then this match, of course, 
Uh, this this match is ultimately what brought Hazuki back to pro wrestling, mm. which is also special in its own way as well. Um, and then and then you know we get the impromptu match after it. You know, Kagetsu had just wrestled seventeen minutes fifty seven seconds, and then Asuka Asuka Veni challenges Kagetsu to a impromptu singles match, which was also fantastic. Mm. And I I just I just love these two matches for the importance of them like you said to give everyone a breather but also because they were just you know great yeah i mean they're great matches ignoring the the situation yes. but the situation surrounding it just makes them feel that much more special and you know so so many factors coming into this situation obviously with hana's passing kagetsu having retired hazuki having retired um you know all these stardom wrestlers who were basically given special permission to not attend the stardom show but come to this particular event and i I still remember like after the tag match finished i was there was a certain sadness inside of me because i didn't want it to end yes not knowing that it wasn't ending we're just getting you know part two on the way and Uh yeah look this this show is a hard watch because of the emotion surrounding it and because it's the first year you know, yeah, uh, in the future ones, it's a little bit easy to come approach it as kind of a happy memories. But this, mm-hmm. in many ways, was honestly kind of like a public funeral for Hannah. A lot of people, this was their chance to finally grieve and get out what they needed to get out from what had happened a year a year on. Um, and this show was necessary for that, so that future shows could come up and still future shows still have that sadness and those bitter memories but you can look at it more as a celebration for hannah's life and what hannah meant to wrestling um this was more of our chance to kind of yeah process it finally yeah um and of course after these matches there was the unbelievably fantastically done video of everyone saying matane to hannah Kumar. you had everyone like Kenny Omega, Keiji Muto. Um, I'm not going to name everyone, but <laughs> you get the point. You had everyone. You had those two ev- people. That was it. No, you had you had everyone from around the world in professional wrestling. Yeah, saying goodbye in the right best way. Um, I remember not I was, saying goodbye, saying matinee. Matinee. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but paying their respects mm, and. Yes saying matinee and i i remember being all choked up and then we got to the kyoko one and i was done i was done yeah. i was gone i was like all right all right end the show I, I, I can't do this anymore because like you said the, those matches had um almost made you like oh take me out of it for a second like take hmm. me out of the emotion in part and then and then they play that video and it's like oh this is <sighs> okay hmm. all right i got this um, and saying matinee, which again was such a beautiful, it was a beautiful end to the first initial celebration of life. Like you said, it was a public, it was a way for people to finally get to say goodbye. Yeah. Or matinee, of course. But for fans, it was a way to just, you know, have something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. After a year, they got to have something. Yeah. That's the most important part. You know, we were talking about how you know these wrestlers need to retire, and um, and this was that special of a show for a reason. 
it's it's incredibly meaningful and it's something that you can still go back and watch with those emotions kind of coming back up and mem sort of remembering and uh, I, as I as we've sort of said I think it's easy to go back and remember the good times now but it wouldn't have been possible without this show um yeah I, for, for me personally I needed that show um because of the feelings I was still processing a year on and yeah, obviously we're recording this three years on. It's it's still difficult, um, but it is a little bit easier to remember the good stuff without being overwhelmed by the sadness. Yeah, um, I guess we'll kind of move to the next tribute. Um, there's a lot of them, obviously, and I'm yeah. gonna miss some, but everyone can talk about their own. But I'm I'm talking about more stardom ones because obviously this is a stardom podcast. Um, but uh, 2021, end of 2021, um, Konami's going away, mm. of course. And this is the first Stardom Dream Queendom. Konami's taking a hiatus. Of course, we see Konami all the time now, so it's like, eh, whatever. But, um, and but Julie, she ended this hiatus. Yes. And Julia's coming back from injury. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on paper, it's like, oh, that's cool. Cool single, special singles match. I was like, oh, yeah. This, this should be good, you know, obviously. Yeah, one coming, one going. Yeah, why not? Sure, makes sense. Uh, I remember I remember when they announced, I was like, I don't know, it's kind of, at the time I was like, weird, but I get it. Like hmm. you said, one coming, one going. And then Konami shows up in the Tokyo Cyber Squad gear, and I feel like I heard everyone around the world go, oh my God. Because hmm. I, I just remember like, I was in shock. I think everyone was in shock. It was just like that special moment of like, oh, this is this this isn't this isn't even going to be about either of these two. Yeah. And, so for context here, I think it is important to mention Konami was currently in Oedo tie. Yes, had a very yeah. When I say very different look, the the color scheme was opposite. It was black and purple as opposed yeah. to the white and colorful. So yes. this this was a very much a like, oh. Uh, yeah, not just beyond like oh, it's you know older gear. Like it is, it kind of shows that from this moment she's this is completely different to what we were getting from her. Yeah, and then Julia comes out with the braided look. Mm -hmm. This is the first time she has the braided look. She has a special uh, flag for Konami signed by the entire roster, which obviously is an emotional moment as is. Yeah, right. Um, and the match goes on. This this is undoubtedly one of my favorite matches ever. It's not a perfect match by any means. It's not like an all-time in-ring classic by any means. It's, it's a really good match. But yeah. at the same time, you know that Konami's dealing with what she was dealing with health-wise. Mm. So, yeah. you know, she, she has her difficulties towards the end. But they did their best to pay their respects to Hanukkah in this match. And every bit of it felt surreal. Every bit of it felt special. Mm. It's It's perfect without being like perfect if that makes sense they did yeah. such a great job at doing honestly that, that is no kind of hard. perfect without being quote unquote perfect exactly yeah yeah they uh that that's one of my very it's like very special to me i watched hmm. that back um sometime last year and i think that's really where julia also kind of transformed in a lot of ways that that's when she had reestablished herself as who julia was moving forward yeah. but at the same time i think from there on out you just felt so much of the hana connection every step of the way mm. um konami of course would go on to join god's eye and stuff like that but now it, it was a way for konami to move on from tokyo cyber right because 
at the end of the day, they had a business as business. You have to end Tokyo Cyber Squad in a yeah. wrestling kayfabe way. But this was her official way to say so long to the group and mm-hmm. what it was, right? Unfortunately, you know, Jungle at the time, Jungle couldn't wrestle. Jungle was hurt, right? Um, and, we, you know, Jungle's unfortunately having surgery again. But it was a moment for Konami. And I think that's what makes it so special as well. A jungle, thankfully, she kind of got. Well, obviously, she's not quote unquote retired yet, but she kind of got her own chance mm-hmm. with the second, uh, the Bargas show. Yeah, that yeah. was her exhibition, unofficial return to the ring, yeah. um, which is especially important in hindsight because she doesn't even get to wrestle in the third event. Um, she really like she wasn't a hundred. She, She's never been 100% since the injuries, but like, she probably shouldn't have been wrestling at Vargas, um, but it meant that much to her to get into the ring. And knowing she can't get into the ring for the third one, uh, it just means that much more. But, yeah, she she had that moment. Konami got the sort of this special moment for her, kind of the double whammy of saying matinee to Hana and saying matinee to the stardom audience. Yeah, so let's um, obviously you you gave a good lead in, so let's talk about it. We had the second Hanukkah Memorial Show Bagus. Uh, this was on the twenty third in twenty twenty two. This was more of a wrestling show. There was a lot of matches on the show. Um, it was it was pretty much a card, and then this is really celebration of life, celebration of life yeah. like this, and that's what it is yearly from now on. Uh, this upcoming year is called Pinks. We'll actually talk about that in our final. Um, episode as well because we'll both of course be watching that and mm-hmm. thankfully is again televised around the world we actually have a full card for that stuff already should be a fun night um but this show again had a very special feel to it um cano wrestled on this show i think that's yes. always fun to talk about he opened up the show um which is entertaining to me um wrestled against uh menso ray who's i believe in all japan um, for those, and then there was a tag team battle royal won by Chirashima and Mike Iwata. Iwata, obviously, key part of Hana's career, as we'll mm-hmm. talk about next week or uh, next episode with the Sendai Girls chapter of her career. And then Jungle Kiona. Jungle Kiona was going to have a match on this show. She wasn't yes. 100% cleared, uh, but she was going to have a match. No one knew what the match was going to be. She was going to pick her opponent on the show. And of course, she picks Kyoko Kimura. I was like, oh. Here we go again. Damn it, Jungle. Um, and Kyoko Kamara, not, I don't know if she knew or not. I'm going to act like forever. She had no clue because she gets in there, you know, with her t shirt on. Or she's like, all right, let me go, you know, put my boots on and call it a day. And they just had such a special match, such a special 11 minutes and 23 seconds. You got, you got to see a little bit of, uh, vintage uh, Kyoko which was just so cool Um, and obviously Jungle gets the win in the end and it was nice to see Jungle back in the Mm. ring and get this moment because like you said she didn't get to have that moment the year prior she was there but she didn't get to have the uh, in-ring moment yeah her her in-ring moment in the first year was basically coming in to do the yes sir pose with Konami before getting chucked back out of the ring because she apparently forgot that it was Konami who you know Broke up Tokyo Cyber Squad with a steel chair over her head. Um, this was a very special match. And look, I'm biased, obviously, with Jungle Kiona, but it's not just me. This is a very special match. And I think, like, the crazy thing is, like, obviously, Jungle is 
heavily hampered in this match because of her injuries and the time that she's coming back. Kyoko, like, okay, she slowed down a little bit, but she'd been gone for, what, five years at this point? You wouldn't have known her. No. Like, the way she wrestled. Like, she she must have been in the gym daily with you, you know, <laughs> you know, getting ready and stuff because, yeah, she looked at home in this ring. Um, such a special moment. Yuishino Kagetsu, obviously at this point, has fully transitioned to Yuishino, who basically has to fill at this point because Kyoko's like, I gotta go put my boots on, get yep. ready. And Yu's there like, I, 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 I think Kyoko definitely knew. I'm not sure you might have known about this. No, having to kind of fill in the gaps here, and um, yeah, like especially because you was there last year. Um, this is such a great little. Yeah, I guess a 20, 25-minute span of time, yeah. including the match and then the theatrics beforehand. Um, just a very special moment between three people who meant so much to Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. Very – it was a job well done all around. Mm. Just such an accomplishment. Mind you, I, I forgot to add this, but Kyrie was also on commentary for this show. Um, Kyrie, who obviously returned to wrestling last uh, year, returned to stardom. Um, mm. She got to take part in the show, which I think is very cool. Um, Kyrie takes part in all these shows now, huh? She, you know, she took part in that Nomads Jungle show. She's ringside for her. Yeah, when pretty she's cool. popping up at Shinjuku face, she can never be sure when Kyrie's going to show up. It's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool. She's taking part in the uh, Kento Kobashi show, facing mm. Unagi, stuff like that. So she's having a little fun now. Um, and then, you know, we had Sakura Hirota dress as Hanakamura once again. The, the funny thing is, like, I remember when she first did the Hanukkah thing, and I was like, "All right, she got me." I I chuckled, and then yeah. she did it again here, and I was like, "How did how does she do this? How does she make me laugh?" You know, she's dressing as the person we're celebrating here, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like fun, and you know, she's she, Azra Kong comes down to the ring and beats the poor woman twice, um, and then it's like, "All right, all right, we'll move on." And you know, nope, Hanukkah is like. Hanukkah more. Secure, uh, <laughs> fake Hanukkah more. Hirota. Um, she's like, oh, we'll do one more match. And then Rena shows up, and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. this was one of the most special moments that mm. either any of these shows yeah. uh, had. And I, I remember multiple because some people didn't watch it live because obviously it was late um, or early or whatever time zone they may be in. Um, but they were like, <laughs> I got multiple messages like, oh my God, Rena showed up. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> she sure did. She um, was the and, biggest uh, missing person from the first year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's very special that she gets to be on these shows moving forward. She's, of course, set for pink. She will be competing. She's one of the stardom wrestlers heading there. Um, but it was just so cool to see her mm. on the show because... You know, I, I talked about how Julia embodied a lot of what Hana has, and she carries Hana with her all the time now, just the way she's changed her style and stuff. But Rena's the. If there was a second coming of Hana, it's going to be Rena. It, it's you, the true embodiment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it all goes back to that draft. Yep. I'll go back to that draft as a star of it. Um, you know, I'm sure Rena will become a big, big star. I think we all agree upon that down the road. She's still so young that it's like, mm. I don't have to worry about it anytime soon. because It's unfair you know. to put that pressure on her, but yeah. like with stardom wrestling, Joshi in general, 
once yeah. once you've hit teenagehood, we're expecting certain levels. I mean, this is the girl that says, "Who cares about school? I'm going to wrestle." <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, her, her passions were laid very clear when Hina went to study, and Rena was like, "I'm staying here." Yeah, she's like, "I'm not going anywhere." No. Um, and then, of course, after all that, after the emotional stuff, they did what they did the year before. They said, "Ah, right, we have a great match for all of you to watch," and that was Shuri versus Asuka. I don't need to tell you that that was great. <laughs> that was, yeah, was you just look match. at the people, you know it's going to be great. This is this is Shuri, by the way, in the midst of her mm. super duper run, obviously, right? Five star World of Stardom champion. She's currently World of Stardom champion. I think that was one of my favorite parts of this is that the World of Stardom champion was on the show this year. Yeah, um, I thought that was really cool, and obviously, overall, um, it was just a great great show it's great second year show and kind of gave us what the format will be moving forward mm. as we uh you know build with these hanukkah shows and they'll all be live on fight mind you so yeah. um never... and the special thing about pinks is there's going to be cheering which we didn't get the first two years yes that'll be a it'll be a whole different feel once again mm. right it'll be yeah. um you feel you can also always donate. Remember Hana.com mm-hmm. if you want to uh, pay your specs to Kyoko and you know show some love for Hana. Uh, they they there were some matches announced. I, I know Konami's on the show. Um, let me let me let me find the card. Um, even though it won't matter after like two seconds, but I want to talk about the card anyways. This is this is our show, right? Uh, but. I'll let you talk a little bit about Hanukkah more as I do what I'm doing. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, like, we've talked about, you know, pretty much our entire career. We've got next fortnight to look forward to with the matches that we're going to be studying. But uh, just looking at everything that she's sort of, you know, grown through, it's just so special to think, like, where she came from, this excitable little kid, you know, who didn't really want to wrestle at first and kind of, you know, her family heritage lent her into going this way and seeing just how quickly she took it on and, you know, the years of just being around wrestling, instantly influencing her and allowing her to become what was a superstar. Like everyone talks about like stardom now being at the forefront of women's wrestling. Hana for many people was that person that was going to break the barrier not just for Joshi wrestling in America, not just Joshi wrestling in Japan, but just wrestling, like what she was going to be capable of doing. And Ori had shown signs, whether it was at the Ring of Honor shows or what she was seeing from her through stardom, um, her appearance at Tokyo Dome. Like there was something there that was going to just change the wrestling landscape. Yes. Um, before I before I get into some more Hanukkah thoughts to close this out, uh, the card is, features another battle royal, um, more Sakura Hirota as Hanukkah versus X. So we'll have some more fun surprises. Uh, we also have a four way tag um, featuring uh, Ryo Mizunami and Sonoko Kato, Yuko Miyamoto and Ram Kaichao, Koji Kanemoto and X, uh, Maseo Haba. Take and Shitaro Shino. That obviously will change. Uh, Shitaro Shino actually got hurt, unfortunately, recently, so he'll be switched out. But we also have Sayori Anu versus Miyuki Takase. Mm. I think, think no one will complain about that one. Uh, Miki Iwata and Mio Momono versus Aja Kong and X. And uh, 
there's no official main event, but um, if the if I was a guessing person, this might be your main event. It'll be Kaori Oniyama, Konami, and Rina teaming up against Shuri, Natsupoi, and Asuka Veni. So it yeah. should be a great show once again this year. That that, that feels cool. like the main event unless there's another surprise kind of Right. Situation. It depends who's with Aja Kong, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a possibility. But I'm sure that'll be the main event. Asuka's been in all the main events so far. Mm. I think that's kind of the key to follow. Um, but, yeah, as we wrap up this episode, I knew this would be our longest episode by far. Um, but as we as we sit here, we have one more episode left. Obviously, we'll talk about the legacy of Hanukkah And I think Trent really kind of gave a good way of looking into what we'll be doing. But, you know, despite this episode having the obvious emotions to it, um, it, it's still wonderful to look back at what she was able to accomplish despite, you know, her career not going as long as it should have. And I think you hit it on the head, right? She didn't want to do wrestling, but wrestling was exactly what she was supposed to do, right? Yeah. Because it was her way to touch so many lives in so many different ways. Um, she has left an incredible mark on the wrestling world. And before I don't spoil the whole legacy thing and stuff like that, but uh, she'll be a forever bright light that will never go out. That is, that is the excitement of Hanukkah. That is the wonderfulness of Hanukkah. And with that, that is the five, that is the wrong, wrong show. Ah, see that I'm looking at one thing, saying another, this is, this was stardom road. Of course, uh, Hanukkah part two, uh, you know, Hopefully you all enjoyed. Hopefully uh, we were able to give you some smiles. Uh, we we did our best to you know we, we you know talk about the sad parts. Um, I was on the brink of tears here. I'm not going to lie to you, folks. I think you could probably hear that in me. Um, I think I'm proud of this. I'm always proud of. I'm, I try to be proud of all my content, but anytime I get to do things about Hanukkah, those that's my proudest content. And uh, thank you, Trent, of course, for doing this with me. As always, um, we have one more episode of this, but it's, that's going to be all happy. And you know, we're going to be talking about the, her wrestling matches, and there'll be a lot of excitement. Um, but thank you, as always, for jumping on these with me. And, you know, this, these especially, obviously, you know, you and me host this show, but I don't think anyone is ever ready to talk, you know, what we talked about today. But mm. I appreciate you being able to do that with me. Well, whenever I get on to do a Hana Kimura podcast, and there's been a few I've done for different groups, I never know, like, am I going to make it through one minute without bursting into tears? Am I going to make it through the whole show without bursting into tears? It's always a bit of a crapshoot um, because of, yeah. No matter how much of the positive you talk about her, there's always that little the niggling feeling of what happened. Um, but, yeah, regardless of how difficult it might be at certain times, the value of continuing to talk about Hana and continuing to remind people of her legacy or introduce people to her legacy because the further from Hana's stardom career we go, the more chance someone may not understand fully, may not really know what what made Hana Kimura so special. So all these little bits and pieces, if it gets people who weren't aware investigating and watching matches and asking more questions, then, yeah. There's there's value in that, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, so we wrap it up here. We'll be back with part three. 
Um, if you're listening to this deep into the future, make sure to listen to part three. We talk about uh, we're talking about four matches important to our career, but some of our favorites as well. Um, you know, maybe we'll change it by then. But uh, one of one of the key matches is the match with Kagetsu. I think I'll I'll at least I'll at least say that one and the one with Julia. Those are two of the key matches. We'll also we'll also hit one match prior to her time in Stardom, or prior to. Ooh, or just highlighting her time with Sunday Girls specifically. Yeah. But uh, listen, I'm tired. This has been two hours. It's uh, admittedly, it's like 2 a.m. for me recording this. So leave me alone. Uh, but it will be against Mikey Wada from Sunday Girls, one of her, maybe probably her most popular match outside of stardom. So, yes, uh, be a lot of fun. Uh, so until then, for Trent, I'm Scott. This was the Stardom Road podcast here on the Countout Network. Till next time. See ya. This has been a Count Out Podcast. Ring Post Radio is the only show hosted by Ryan 19 and Scotty Edwards that talks about the entire world of professional wrestling. With new episodes coming out every Sunday, there is absolutely no reason to not listen to real, honest wrestling opinions from two crazy maniacs. Have a hot boy summer and listen along to Ring Post Radio every Sunday on the Countout Network.